0: Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. The poet John Milton, writing in the 17th century, got it so right when he said, "...they also serve who only stand and wait." No better description could be written to capture the essence of military families. Today, as a nation, we've acknowledged that service. We have some but not enough understanding of the service of those waiting at home. But back during the Vietnam War, when those serving did not represent a cross-section of America, When the opportunity for the wives back home were very limited, the price that our soldiers and our nation paid was high. As we struggled to serve the soldiers and veterans of today's Iraq and Afghanistan era, it's a history we best heed well. We're going to talk about that today with my guest, Professor Andrew Wiest. He's a professor of history at the University of Southern Mississippi and also a founding director of the Center for the Study of War and Society. He has specialized in the study of World War I and Vietnam and has served as a visiting senior lecturer at the Royal Military Academy. His previous work includes the best-selling The Boys of 67, and it is my pleasure to welcome Andrew Wiest here to talk about his latest book, Charlie Company's Journey Home, The Forgotten Impact on the Wives of Vietnam Veterans. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Why do you think so little has been written about the wives, about the families, particularly in the Vietnam era?
1: That's a really good question. When I first came across the idea of writing this book, I thought I would probably find a vibrant historiography, a number of uh, stories about the wives of combatants, because you certainly hear about women's roles in wars, whether it be nurses or people working in factories to replace men who've gone off to war. Those stories are presently being told, but I was hoping to find, again, something on the most numerous um, women in society that were impacted by the war, the wives of soldiers, and I just found nothing. And and why? I don't know. Uh, The the, the historical limelight has always been given to the husbands. Perhaps their story is more compelling. Perhaps people like a good battle story. Um, Certainly all of those stories have said, as you mentioned in the opening, that um, war is often more difficult on those left behind. But that's about where it's always stopped, Nobody's gone further to really investigate that question before.
0: One of the things that's so remarkable in this context is the numbers that you talk about, that between 30 and 40 percent of the soldiers who served in Vietnam were married, that about 20 percent of them or around 20 percent had young children.
1: Yes, but to be frank, those numbers uh, very much surprised me. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I wrote a book about a combat company in Vietnam uh, called The Boys of 67. And in researching that book, I came to know the, the guys very well. And, of course, at this point in their lives, almost all of them are married or have been. And But it never really dawned on me to check to see who was married before and, and those numbers held true with my company. Again, th- those numbers surprised me uh, when I did my research that you just don't think to, in today's world uh, that a bunch of guys who were 19, that that high a percentage of them would have been married. But in 1965 and 66, and, I, and this uh, uh, kind of surprised me as well, uh, 1965 had the second highest rate of marriages in this country. Uh, right after uh, the the two years following World War II when all the guys came home and got married. And it also was the year in this country where uh, the married couples were the youngest. And I think Vietnam had a lot to do with both of those numbers. Right.
0: And what was the nexus, as you came to understand it, between those that served, those that were drafted in the mid-60s, and the fact that the marriage numbers were so high?
1: (sighs) These were almost always uh, high school sweethearts who were desperately in love. And to put it frankly, there, there were one or two who, who, who got married before uh, Vietnam became an issue in their lives. But almost all the guys and almost all the gals uh, rushed their marriage. Um, none of them wanted to admit that the man could be killed in Vietnam, but I, I think down deep they, they knew it. And they didn't want to go through life wondering what could have been had they married this guy. They wanted to go to war married. Um, So I do think Vietnam really rushed some marriages and perhaps some marriages that would not have happened happened because Vietnam was looming over them.
0: And as you talk about in the book, and it becomes abundantly clear in these stories that there's really no other way to say it except that the women that were left behind, most of them had a pretty miserable time.
1: They did. Um, uh, One of the more striking things that I uh, found was that uh, almost all these couples got married while their husbands were off at training. So that meant the husband came home for a a few days leave to get married and then went right back to training. Uh, That meant they hadn't even lived together. Um, when the husband went off to war. So the wives found themselves married, quote-unquote, independent adults, but almost always still living at home with their parents and in a few scenarios living with their in-laws while the husband was gone. And as I say in the book, and as any married person knows, that that first-year marriage is, is wonderful on one hand. It's also very tricky on the other because you're negotiating everything from from who does what chores to what church you're going to go to. I mean, that that first year is a real formative year in marriages, and these couples had to spend that year apart. Uh, the husbands undergoing the greatest trauma of their lives, and the wives living in this strange limbo between girlhood and adulthood.
0: How was this different from the World War II generation?
1: The World War II generation appeared to have gotten married right after they got home. Again, that's the spike that you see Mm -hmm. uh, with with World War II marriages. They happened in 1946 and early 1947. These guys got married right before they left. Uh, Perhaps it was uh, 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 some impetus put on that by their World War II parents who perhaps wished they would have gotten married before they went. Um, But... That's the st- statistical anomaly: is that the the World War II guys got married after, and the World War, the the Vietnam era guys tended to get married before.
0: And and the World War II parents of many of these wives and and soldiers, how did they perceive this? What was your sense of that? Well, they they
1: perceived the marriage as a good thing. Uh, I, I think the fathers knew again the risks that the young men were running. Because almost all of their parents, uh, almost all their fathers, had 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 been in World War II, and understood that having something strong like a marriage uh, was a a psychically good thing uh, when you're in war. It it gives you something to fight for, something to survive for. It gives you a it gives you the mental crutch of writing letters. Uh, writing letters to your wife is different than writing letters to your husband. Uh, excuse me, to, to to your parents. I I, th- I think the parents knew that, um, and were favor of uh, in favor of these uh, uh, perhaps rushed marriages uh, along those lines. And another uh, refrain that I heard from many of the uh, um, women who I interviewed was that their World War II fathers told them don't ask your husband about the bad things. If he wants to write home to you about the tough things that's going on, he will. If he wants to talk about them after the war, he will. But don't press it. Uh, so the, uh, the World War Two era parents uh, of this boomer generation uh, had a lot to do uh, with the, the youngster getting married and had a lot of advice to give about what that marriage would be like.
0: The other part of this story is that the, the disparity at the time between those that served, those that in many cases were just out of high school and served, and those men that went to college that were exempt from the draft who didn't rush to get married.
1: Right. Um, and that, that interplays with the, the families I deal with quite a lot mm-hmm. because. Uh, the, the the draft was so hit or miss in, in, in this era, uh, calling up um, uh, some classes of people in great numbers and virtually overlooking others that it had a lot to do with the soldiers' feeling of disaffection when they came home, uh, uh, give or take about 70 percent of the young men during the World War II era meaningfully served their country in one way or another, uh, give or take that number in the Vietnam era is down to 10 percent so these men are anomalies their families are anomalies and when they come home and the wives see this when the husbands are gone that all their generational compatriots their lives are rushing forward at breakneck speed towards what was presumed to be a a bright future while the veterans and their wives their lives are stuck in neutral Mm. And that's a it's it's not one of those wartime things that just hit you in the face, like being wounded or a battle or something like that. But it's perhaps one of the most meaningful things that happened to these families was that, again, while society rushed forward and the boomer society rushed forward more quickly than anything, because don't forget, these guys are often in war in the in 1966 and 67, which are some pretty important years in American society to be a young person that they, they miss all that. Uh, their, their history is different, and they know it.
0: And how is it different then for the wives that were back at home in the context of the way the world was moving forward during that period in the 60s and and the, the sort of political nature of the war, the way it played out in living rooms across the country? How did that impact the wives who were left behind?
1: The wives were greatly impacted. Uh, the, the, the husbands knew... Somehow the 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 military was pretty good at controlling the message that they were getting. But, of course, you could get letters, you could hear the radio and things like that. So the, the husbands knew there was something going on at home uh, as the country began to shift away from the war and then turned against it. Uh, the wives were in the middle of it. The wives were sometimes questioned about their husbands being off at war. Uh, the wives, especially those living in California, knew that there were uh, bad um, uh, welcomes home, waiting for their husbands. The husbands didn't know it; the wives did, and the wives simply could not understand why other people of their generation were turning against um, the members of their generation who were off in Vietnam. And in this case, it was their husbands. It it, it was a, a a deep gut check for the wives, and arguably hurt them. It hurt the men terribly. Um, in, in many cases, the non-welcome home they received was one of the more vivid memories they have of Vietnam. Uh, but the wives saw this building for a year, and it was a crushing blow to them to see their husbands, who, the, uh, who they knew were being uh, anguished by the war, who were being changed by the war. It was a crushing blow to the wives to see what happened to their husbands, and no, they couldn't stop it. Uh, that it was like watching a tidal wave come ashore and knowing you couldn't do anything about it. That's what the wives had to go through.
0: There was also the sense that they were of two different worlds. As as you say, the military did a pretty good job of, of controlling the message that when these guys came back, they left a very different world than they came home to, and yet the wives had been a part of watching that world change.
1: Yes, and of course what the wives couldn't understand as well was what their husbands had been through. Um, uh, a few husbands did write home about the uh, Charlie Company, the 160 men I study. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26 were killed and 105 were wounded. And pretty much everybody in the unit became a, became a killer in one way or another. That they, they inflicted a high body count on the enemy, which is a very important part of uh, soldier transformation in war. Uh, most of the husbands hadn't shared any of this with the wives, so the wives had not only seen society rush off and move away, what they didn't understand was that their husbands had rushed off and moved away to a place they could not go, and it took, it took it, in some cases the wives saw this as soon as the husband walked off the aircraft, in some cases it took years for them to understand that uh, how, how profoundly their husbands had been changed. And on the flip side, uh, another thing that surprised me, perhaps it shouldn't have, was that many of these wives, of course, had to rush out and get a job. Some of them uh, who weren't lucky or unlucky enough to still live at home uh, got an apartment or a house. Uh, These wives uh, gained a measure of independence while their husbands were gone that their husbands weren't expecting to find when they got home. So both members of the marriage had Changed in profound ways that the other ones weren't expecting, and that put a real um, uh, it put a real weight on the marriages once they got home.
0: In those cases where you found that they were able to, that these couples were able to resume normal life, that they were able to get through all of these things we've been talking about, what was unique about them? What skills did they bring to bear? What did you find about them that enabled them to to get beyond this?
1: Wow, I, uh, I'm not sure it's a skill, but I think the things that uh, 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 some numbers here I think would be useful uh, of the of the couples I study. About 25% uh, got divorced, uh, which includes one couple that got divorced and remarried. So that's you know a, a number that uh, uh, I was actually expecting, frankly, to be higher. And when I studied the other couples who got married during the same year, the civilian couples. Um, they actually got divorced at a much higher rate, close to 50%. So strangely enough, what I found out was that these marriages, although they had war intervene and all these other things intervene in them, they wound up being more durable Hmm. uh, than the marriages of their their generational counterparts. And I think this came down to, the the wives almost became veterans and co-combatants themselves. Their husband came home, they realized he had changed, in some cases, very dramatically, but rather like the military says, that no man will be left behind. The, the, the wives knew that this change in their husbands was wrought by something beyond their husband's control, something something tragic and something meaningful, and they refused to leave a man behind on this psychic battlefield uh, they, they rent it as a team. So it's, it's love and hard work, and I, said, I think something also deeply psychological uh, kept these marriages together.
0: To what extent was the military brass aware of, of these pressures, and was anything done to try and help?
1: Uh, none. Um, <laughs> if the military was aware of these pressures, it did nothing to help. Um, when When the soldiers came home, um, many of them still had a month or two left on their military contracts so they had to go off to Fort Knox or Fort Riley to do uh, some clerical work or to maybe help train people but, but but the military had no the way I like to put it is the military spends half a year give or take training you how to become a soldier and then certainly in the Vietnam era spent no time in untraining you uh, the soldiers were essentially set free back into society and it turns out many of the uh, uh, lessons that you learn to survive and, and thrive in wartime are actually lessons that are negative in peacetime. Uh, the hyper-alertness, the, the quickness to anger, uh, the, the types of things that are, are rather typical in a battlefront are very destructive in, in, a, in a marriage. And the, the military, if, if it knew about it, it totally... Uh, uh, is, is to blame for just not doing anything about it physically once the war was over. The men were just cast adrift by the military and essentially are told, if you have any problems, go to the VA. And, of course, the VA doesn't recognize mental trauma from Vietnam until the mid to late 1980s. So these men are left on their own by the military.
0: And is the situation better today? I mean, it sort of circles back to what we talked about at the beginning in terms of this not being written about very much and really kept under cover for so many years.
1: The military has uh, many more programs today to deal with um, uh, PTSD, which is, of course, one of the issues that the men are going to suffer with. They have many more uh, family outreach uh, missions than than they had in the past. The the, the military has much better taking these things under their wing. However, of course, as you're uh, so well aware, uh, they haven't completely mitigated the problem. There's still a high rate of veteran suicides. Of course, in today's country, uh, veterans are, are habitually welcomed home with little flags and thank you for your service. Um, but none of those things alter the experience of, of, of war. Uh, so the military has gotten much better about these things, and I do think that is... be applauded but that doesn't mean as a society we can say there's no problem there that there still is a problem there war profoundly transforms people and now we're in a situation where unlike vietnam where these guys went off to one deployment um, my best friend in the world is on his fourth deployment to a war zone his family is without him for the fourth time Um, so his wife has to go through this again now with adult children, We're at the beginning. Uh, uh, she had three of the three children at home. Uh, it's a transformative thing in their lives still, but just in a different way.
0: Is there any correlation between the way soldiers coming home adjusted those that were married versus those that were not?
1: Yes, those that were married definitively had a support group. Now that support group is complicated because again, most of the husbands refuse to talk to the wives about the one thing they probably should talk about the most, which is Vietnam. They're attempting to to guard their wives from the reality of what they saw. Uh, so that it, having that wife there is complicated, but the wife is there. And the wife generally, in all the cases that I've studied, uh, but of course it's, marriage is a more complex beast than just the few I've studied, but all the wives are desperate to help their husbands. Uh, some men who are thrown back into society alone ha- have no help at all. So th- these men do have a support group and, uh, a, a huge member of that support group is a child. A child is going to love you unconditionally. A child is also going to demand that you spend time on them and, Anything you can do to spend time on something or with someone uh, is a psychic buffer against what had happened in war. So children are immensely important in, in helping their, in this case, their father, uh, deal with their wartime Uh, uh, issues in part because to the child, those wartime issues don't matter. That child is still hungry or still needs to be taken to baseball practice or still needs his diaper changed. Uh, Vietnam does not matter to that child. Um, So having these support groups to return to is critical to these veterans well-being. I think there's a whole nother book out there about women who married people after Vietnam, Uh, uh, the book would have been too big had I uh, attempted to interview those women. Uh, But marrying a Vietnam veteran, it turns out, is quite different than being married to a person who's in Vietnam and then comes home to become a veteran.
0: And what was the relationship between the wives that were left home and the parents of these soldiers? How did they interact by and large?
1: Again, a support group. They desperately uh, were... Uh, searching usually for news about the child. Now, some parents did receive letters from from their sons uh, detailing what was going on in the war and were given explicit instructions, do not tell my wife, I don't want to bother her. So sometimes there was a divide in the marriage. Uh, evidently, uh, men are more willing to share with their father, especially, you know, the bad things uh but but not with their wife so in some cases there was that little divide but generally speaking these were the three people in the world a mother and a father and a wife uh who are most interested in following uh the the, the soldier's life um, it forces these uh, per, perhaps uh um married Folks are not always best pals uh, with their in-laws, uh, but in this case, almost all of them became comrades of war. Uh, so the in-laws and the uh, and the and the daughters-in-law get together uh, very well. And again, even to the point of many of the daughter-in-laws living with their in-laws.
0: Andrew West, the book is Charlie Company's Journey Home: The Forgotten Impact on the Wives of Vietnam Veterans. Andrew, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me. Thank you.